take your Bibles and turn them to Luke chapter number 11. And we're going to finish up this week what we started last Sunday night. Um, and we're going to be talking about how to pray powerfully. But you keep your place there in Luke chapter number 11. And I just want to read to you a couple of three verses in um, Isaiah chapter number 53. Uh, I love that song we just sang. The love of God, is uh, it amazes me. I cannot fathom the love of God. I can't understand uh, the love of God, even, even a little bit. Every time I think about it, it absolutely blows my mind. And one of the verses that um, teach us of God's love comes from Isaiah chapter number 53. It's a prophecy concerning uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 53, in verse number 4 is where we want to start. It says, Surely he, meaning Jesus, hath borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And watch this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord, meaning God the Father, hath laid on, laid on him, meaning God the Son, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep dumb before his shears, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression or the sin of my people was he stricken. And he hath made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. So in those four or five verses there, from four through nine, we see that uh, Jesus died for our sins. There was no deceit in his mouth. It was for my transgressions, he was transgressions, my sin, he was wounded. It was for uh, my iniquities that he was bruised. But then it says in verse 10 something that um, just amazes me about the love of God. Verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord. It pleased God the Father to bruise him, God the Son. He hath put him to grief. Now, every time I read that, I think about how much I love my children. I think about how much uh, as a human, fleshly, physical father, I adore them. And I don't even love my kids as perfectly as God can and does love his son. Yet in Isaiah 53 and 10 it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God the Father to put his son on a cross so that the sin debt of all mankind might be paid for. Why? Because the only way that you and I could be saved is if the sin debt was paid at the cross of Calvary. Jesus is the only one who could die for sin because he's the only one who was born sinless and lived sinless. He became the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the Bible says that God loved us so much. He wanted to take care of our sin problem so much so that we could have right relationship with him that it pleased him to bruise his one and only son. So let me ask you something. How much does God love you? How deep is the love of God? How wide is the love of God? How much does God love you? Folks, I can't even explain it to you. I don't understand it fully myself. But what I see in Isaiah 53 and 10 absolutely amazes me 
about the, 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 the love of God that he has for each and every one of us. Go back to Luke chapter 11 now. I decided to share that with you. Man, I love that song. Luke chapter 11, the Bible is teaching us how to pray. Now, let me ask you something. If you believe that prayer is powerful, say amen. I do too. I believe that when God's people pray, the power of God is released upon our situation. And I tell you that because I've seen that in my own life. We've seen it in our church. We've seen God answer prayer and do things that only God can do. So prayer is certainly prayerful. How do you believe that prayer is necessary? Say amen. Now let me tell you, I think that's pretty much all of us. All of us believe in the power of prayer. All of us believe in the necessity of prayer if we're going to be what God wants us to be. But the problem is, not a lot of us pray like we should. If I, if I ask it, I'm not going to because I'd have to raise my hand. If I ask if there's anybody in here tonight who don't pray as much as they should, I think we could all raise our hand to that. And, and so James chapter 4 and verse number 2 is right when he said, you have not because you ask not. And there's a reason we don't pray like we should. It's not because we don't think prayer is prayerful. We know prayer is prayerful. It's not because we don't think prayer is a necessity. We know prayer is necessary for us to live the life that God saved us to live. So we believe both of those things. I think a lot of times we don't pray because we don't know how to pray. And we don't know what to pray. And I think that's true for everybody um, wherever we are in our walk with Christ. We don't always know how to pray. We don't always know what to pray. So we don't pray like we should. Even though we understand the great power of prayer. Now we're not alone in that. Now the disciples in Jesus' day, the disciples that walked with him throughout his earthly ministry, they, they had the same problem. They didn't know how to pray. They didn't know what to pray. And so one day in Luke chapter 11, you'll see it there in verse number 1, after Jesus had finished praying, his disciples asked him, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw how Jesus was praying. They saw that intimate, personal relationship he had with the Father through his prayer life. And they said, Lord, we want to know how to pray just like you're praying. Amen. And so they asked him to teach them. And I'm glad they did because we can learn from what he taught them. See, we today are followers of Christ. That's what a disciple is. So the disciples of today need to learn how to pray just like the disciples right here in Luke chapter number 11. Now let me say something to you. What Jesus gives them and us right here in these first four verses, first four verses is a pattern for powerful prayer. All right? He's not giving us a prayer that we are to recite every time we pray. That's not what he's saying. He's given us a pattern for which we should be praying as we pray daily. And so we looked at some of these last week, and we said there were six points that you need to see. All of them start with P, and I did that because I want you to remember it. Listen, first of all, you need to be praying about your position. Do you remember that? The Bible says there, Luke chapter 11, verse number 2, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now you see that, folks. That when he says, you need to be praying to your Father. Do you realize if you've been born again into the family of God, that the scripture says in Romans 8, 15, that we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry of a Father? So when, when I'm talking about praying about your position, you need to pray according to your position and according to his position. Your position is a child of God if you've placed your faith in Jesus. God sees you as his adopted sons and daughters. And because you are an adopted son or daughter of God, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. 
We can come right into the throne room and make our petitions known to our daddy God. And that means a lot because I'm going to tell you something. As a fleshly physical father, as a human father, I'm going to do everything I can to meet the needs of my children. Let me tell you why I love them. And I'll do things for my kids that I won't do for nobody else. I was just thinking about this this evening as I was preparing for this message. I remember years ago, uh, Anna Kate uh, would go out with her grandmother. She's a little bitty thing. And, and she loved to get Frosties at Wendy's. And her and her, and her mom, Mimi would go and buy and get these Frosties every chance they got. And I remember one night I come home from work, and man, I was tired, give out. And guys, you know how it is. When you get through doing all that you've got to do in a day, and you finally get in that house and sit in that recliner, it's real hard to get me out of that recliner once I sit in it. Matter of fact, if I'm going to do something when I get home, I better do it before I sit in that recliner. It's not going to get done. And I already got my shoes off, man. I'm sitting in the recliner, kicked back, enjoying myself, watching a little TV, relaxing. And a cake comes and says, Daddy, I want a Frosty. The closest place to get a Frosty is in Fulton, Mississippi. That's about 25, 30 minutes, you know, driving time, getting there and getting back. And I said, Honey, I just don't feel like it now. Man, Daddy's tired. I've had a long day. It's 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night. Daddy, please, I want a Frosty. No, I'm not going tonight. And she didn't say nothing else. She just dropped a little head and pushed that little lip out and, and, and went walking back to her room. And I sat there for just a minute and I thought, man, there's going to be a time when she's not going to want to go get a Frosty with Dad. So I got up, got my shoes on, went in there and got it. I said, honey, come on, let's go get a Frosty. So we drove all the way to Fulton, Mississippi at 8 o'clock at night after a long, hard day at work, after I'd done got my recliner, done all of that. Let me tell you why, because she asked me. And because I love her. And so you need to understand your position before God is he is your heavenly father if you've trusted in Jesus. And he'll do stuff for his kids he won't do for nobody else. Can you say amen? If that's true for a physical, fleshly human father, that's certainly true for our heavenly father. Now, you need to pray according to your position. You're a child of God. But you are, if you've placed your faith in Jesus and been born again, but you also need to pray according to his position. The Bible says hallowed is his name. Hallowed means sanctified, set apart. He is holy in a class all by himself. How many of you know that when we pray, we're praying to the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, sovereign God of the universe who spoke and creation came into being. He stood on nothing and created everything. So what can't God do? Remember his position. Remember your position. And folks, when you get that right, your prayers can become powerful. So pray according to your position and his position. We said then you need to pray about your provision. It says in uh, Luke chapter number 11, verse number 3, give us day by day our daily bread. Now that speaks of your, uh, your finance, finances. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with praying that God would be in control and bless you financially. Nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, Jesus said you should be doing that. Well, let me tell you something, folks. God knows what we need when we need it. God knows how much to give us. And I pray just like this. I just pray that God gives me enough so that I can be useful in his kingdom. Amen. I want to be a conduit through which the blessing of God flows to others. But I don't want to have too much that I get greedy and make money my God. And God knows right where the, that line is in my heart and in my life. So I'm praying that he gives me what I need in the way of provision. We also talked about praying your priorities. Look what it said there in verse number 2. Verse number 2 says, Thou will be done as in heaven, so in earth. What does this mean? Do you know that God rules and reigns in heaven? So what I think uh, Jesus is saying here 
is that we need to be praying that the rule and reign of God would be manifest in earth just like it is in heaven. And I pray according to uh, his will being done, first of all, for me. See, I want the rule and reign of God to come to my life first. I want the rule of reign of God to be in my home first, to be in my marriage first, to be in my ministry first, to be in my church first. I want the rule and reign of God individually for me in my own life so that I might be a blessing to everybody else. And so we pray about our position. We pray about our provision. We pray about our priority, and our priority should be first and foremost, the number one thing on the list, that God's rule and reign be manifest in me and in us. Can you say amen to that? That's the first three, and I just want to run through them very quickly so that we're all on the same page. Let me give you the last three now. Then Jesus moves on uh, to some things that, man, get a little bit tougher about praying about. Look what he says in verse number four. And forgive us our sins... For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. What's he talking about? He's talking about in, in verse number four here, we need to pray for people. <laughs> Amen? How's he put it? Watch. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone that has indebted. Now that word indebted can, and a lot of places is translated, we forgive those who sinned against us. In the book of Matthew, in, in chapter number 6, when Jesus gives this same prayer, Matthew translated, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He's talking about sins there. Let me tell you why he says that. Because the thing that will hurt your spiritual life the most, the thing that will clog up your spiritual life the most is unforgiveness. And I want to tell you something. It's very, very difficult, impossible to truly pray for someone if you're not willing to forgive them. And so prayer is a great way uh, for you to clean up the unforgiving spirit that we sometimes have towards someone else. Amen? Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you how we get clogged up in our spiritual life and we're not able to function and operate like we should. Unforgiveness always leads to bitterness. Would you agree with that? If I harbor unforgiveness in my heart towards someone else, whether it be a friend or a family member, my wife, my kids, brothers and sisters in Christ, whoever it might be in any relationship, if I harbor that unforgiveness before long, I'll get bitter. When I get bitter and that nasty root starts growing in my heart, let me tell you what that's going to bring. It's going to bring resentment. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness. Bitterness leads to resentment. When I'm talking about resentment, you resent those people. You don't even want them to be a part of their life. You don't want them to be a part of your life. It will ruin relationships when you harbor unforgiveness in your heart. And so Jesus said in this pattern of praying, he said you need to be praying daily that you uh, forgive others and, or excuse me, that God forgives you of your sin and that you forgive others that have sinned against you. So that way, you're keeping all of that stuff cleaned out of your life. When you clean out that unforgiving spirit, when you get that clog out of your spiritual life, it'll help you perform better spiritually. Let me put it to you like this. I remember years ago, I was, I, was uh, um, I guess, I don't know, 25, 26 years old maybe, and I had bought a 95 Ford Bronco. Everybody called it the O.J. Ford or O.J. Bronco. You remember the white Ford Bronco that O.J. had? That was the same color as mine. Mine looked just like that. I love that truck. Wish I still had it today. Full size Bronco, man. I'd uh, put a lift kit, some big tires on it, man. That was my truck. I love that truck. 
and, and I was driving it, you know, every chance I got and put a lot of miles on it. Had about 130, 140,000 miles at that time. And uh, it wasn't, wasn't that old, but it had a lot of miles because I drove it everywhere. But um, it got to where it was kind of sluggish. It wasn't running like it used to run. And so I took it to my mechanic, and I said, uh, what are, uh, something's wrong. Maybe we need to tune up. I don't know. Change the plugs. Change the plug wires. Do something because it's not running like it should. So he did that. Changed my plugs. Changed my plug wires. He changed the fuel filter. He changed the air filter. Changed all of that. And I came back to get it, and he said, look, man. He said, it's doing a little better, but it still ain't doing just like it should. He said, I got this new machine in that will clean your fuel system. He said, and it's brand new. I hadn't really used it a lot. I'll do it for free on your truck because you've already spent so much money with me. I just kind of want to test out my new machine. I said, man, great, let's do it. So I came back in the next day. We went into his shop in there, and he plugged that into my intake on the motor and started pouring this stuff into the fuel system of my truck. And, and uh, man, when he started pouring that thing in there, he told me to give it a little gas, rev it up. I kept it about half throttle. And all of a sudden, that whole place just filled with old black sooty smoke. And what that was doing was cleaning all that stuff that was clogging up those fuel lines and that fuel system. I want to tell you something. When I left there that day, it's just like I had a brand new truck. I mean, I left out of there. That thing ran great for the rest of the time I had it. But the problem was it was not performing like it should because of all that old gunk that was built up in that fuel system. Now, the same thing happens with the believer. When we walk around with an unforgiving spirit, we harbor bitterness, and before long, that bitterness will turn to resentment. All because our spiritual lives are clogged up with that unforgiving spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? Man, and I'll tell you something. When you get that out of the way, when you allow God, the Holy Spirit, to get that out of the way, and you choose to forgive... And it is a choice. Are you hearing me? You're not always going to feel like forgiving. Matter of fact, there's many times in my life when I don't want to forgive. I want to stay mad a while. How about y'all? That's that old flesh talking. That is how that old flesh operates. If they've done me wrong, then I'm going to do them wrong. That's the flesh talking. If they said something bad about me, I'm going to say something bad about them. If they ain't going to talk to me, I ain't going to talk to them. And we harbor that unforgiving spirit, and before long, man, that will kill your relationship, whatever it might be. So we got to learn to forgive. I'm going to tell you something. If we can learn to forgive, that would save, I'm going to say, 99, maybe 100% of marriages if they just learn to forgive. You know what, uh, what, a, what a, a, a happy marriage, what it takes to have a happy marriage? Have a forgiving spirit every day. You've got to continually learn to forgive one another. You've got to continually extend grace to the other party, just like grace has been extended to you, realizing there's going to be time that you're going to need some grace, and they're going to give it your way. Amen? You've got to do that in every relationship. But what happens a lot of time, we build up that wall of bitterness, don't we? Hey, they do something to us, and we want to give them the cold shoulder. We want to give them the silent treatment. I ain't talking to them. I, I ain't going to have nothing to do with them. And they, we lay that block of bitterness. And then they start saying, well, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. So what, what, what's the wife do then? She'll lay down another block of bitterness. And then it goes on further, well, days and, 
and sometimes weeks, even months, and we keep laying our blocks. And I'll lay one block and she'll lay two blocks. And I'll lay two blocks and she'll lay three blocks. And before long, we've built up this wall of bitterness that has completely separated us in our relationship. And after a while, we wonder how we got to where we are. It's all because a little something went wrong. We didn't operate with a forgiving spirit. We got bitter. And then resentment set in. And it's killing relationships. It's killing marriages everywhere you look. We've got to learn to forgive. When we would just, if we just practice what Jesus said right here in this pattern, Lord, forgive me and help me to forgive others. Man, that makes all the difference. So start practicing that. And if your husband or your wife, your kids, whatever relationship you're talking about, if somebody wrongs you, pray about that. God, forgive me where I failed you and help me to forgive them. Lord, you know I want to stay mad. You know I am mad. You know my heart. You know their heart. But I don't want it to be this way. I don't want to lay this block of bitterness. I don't want to build this wall that's going to separate us. So Lord, help me to forgive them as you've forgiven me. We pray for people. We offer forgiveness freely as we choose to be what God wants us to be as we choose to forgive. So we pray about our position and his position. We pray about provision. We pray about priority, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for people. Let me give you another one. We pray for protection. Look in the last part of verse number four. The Bible says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you realize that every one of us have weaknesses? I mean, I don't care who you are. There are certain things that tempt you that might not tempt me, and there are certain things that tempt me that might not tempt you. But we're all susceptible to fall into sin, so we need to be praying that God would deliver us from evil. Amen? And don't think that it can't happen to you. The Bible says... That we need to take heed lest we fall. The Bible says that pride goes before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. So we don't need to be so prideful in thinking that we can't fall into sin. We need to be praying and asking daily that God delivers us from evil. Now I don't know what your weaknesses are. Hey, your weakness could be some kind of substance abuse. Your weakness could be internet pornography. Your weakness could be gossiping. Your weakness could be a lying tongue. Your weakness could be envy. Your weakness could be whatever. My weakness could be whatever. But whatever weakness we have, we need to be praying that God builds a hedge of protection around us and He don't deliver us to evil. I don't want to, listen to me folks, fall into sin because I hadn't prayed for God's protection in my life. Jesus says, pray daily that he would deliver us from evil. Isn't that good? And he promises to do that. So pray for people, pray, pray for protection. Let me give you the last one right here. Look what it says in, in verse number four. Um, the last part of the verse says, deliver us from evil. I want you to take your Bibles. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives the same prayer, but Matthew records it just a little bit different. Listen how Matthew ends the prayer here. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse number 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What's he say? Amen. <laughs> Let it be so. That's what amen means. And so what's he end the prayer with? He ends the prayer with praise. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and forever. How many of you know that God deserves our praise? Folks, listen to me. God has given us every good thing we've got. Every good and perfect gift has come down from the Father of lights, James 1.17. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That means the same good God who has met my needs in the past will continue to meet my needs in the present and in the future. And I'm trusting that he's going to do just exactly what he says. And I just keep praising him for all he has done. All he is doing. And I look forward in faith to all he's going to do. He's worthy of our praise. He's the only one worthy of our praise. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the God who is our righteousness. He is Jehovah Nisi, the God who is our banner. He is all of these things for his people. He's worthy of praise. He's good, isn't he? Amen. He's been good to each and every one of us. So we need to praise him. That's what we pray. If you don't know what to pray, that's it. If you don't know the pattern, that's it. Pray about your position. Pray about priority. Pray about provision. Pray about people. Pray about protection. And then you give God praise. And if you'll pray that pattern daily, you can expect to have a powerful prayer life. That's what you pray. Then Jesus, let me give you this very quickly. Then Jesus tells us how to pray. All right? He tells us what to pray in verses 1 through 4. He tells us how to pray, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 um, through the uh, verse number 13. Watch this. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in the bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give, because he is free, this is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and shall give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Then he says in, the next, in verse number 10, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So let me get you, give you the picture that Jesus is painting here. It's kind of a, another parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He says, let's just say that you're already asleep in bed at night, and your wife and kids are asleep in bed at night, and in the middle of the night, there's a friend that comes knocking on your door asking for some loaves of bread. And he knocks on the door, and man, you're still about half asleep, and you can hear just a faint knocking at the door, and you think, man, what in the world's going on? Who is it at this hour of the night? And you're trying to ignore it, so you roll back over and go to sleep. And then you hear it just a little bit louder. And you're still trying to ignore it, because you ain't want to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning for nobody. They'll go away if I just keep laying here. And so you just keep laying there, and then it gets a little bit louder. And they won't quit knocking until you come and answer. And what he's saying is, you may not even be answering the prayer because that's your friend. You'll probably just answer the prayer because he keeps knocking at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
So what's the point? I think Jesus is telling us we ought to be persistent in our prayer life. If you've asked and you haven't received, then you knock. If you knock and the door's not open, then you seek. And the Bible says if you ask, you knock, and you seek, then you'll find. You've got to be persistent in your prayers. Keep praying. Don't give up. Man, there's people in your life you're praying to see saved. Don't you give up on them, folks. God is still in the saving business. If Jesus can save me, praise God, he can save anybody. So you keep praying for those people. There's relationships in your life that's not where they need to be. Listen, you keep praying about that. Don't give up on those relationships. Keep praying that God would fix the problem that needs fixing. Listen, you're praying for your church to grow. Keep praying about that. Don't you give up. I believe that God wants to do a great work right here in this church through his people in this community. You keep praying. Don't you give up. Listen, whatever it is you're praying for and it seems like it's not coming, God is hearing you. God can answer. God does answer. Be persistent in your prayer life. Now, I'm not going to tell you that God answers out every prayer. Yes, I'm okay with that too. If God says no, it's for good reason. Let me tell you why. God has a better vantage point than you. He's sitting high on his heavenly throne. Not only does he see our past and our present, he sees our future. He knows what's going to happen on down the road. He knows the plan and purpose he has for your life. So if God doesn't answer your prayer in a certain thing with, about a certain subject, that's all right. Trust the Lord. Walk by faith. Believe in God's got your best interest at heart because he does. The one who loves you best, listen, knows you best. He knows what you need when you need it. Keep trusting him. God's got you where you're at for a reason. But don't stop praying. Keep praying. The Bible says, 1 John 5, 14, that we have this confidence that if we ask anything in the will of God, He hears us. We're confident of that. You may feel like your prayers ain't reaching the ceiling. There are certainly some things that can hinder your prayers. But according to 1 John 5, 14, when God's people pray, God chooses to listen. Amen? So pray persistently. I think that's the message Jesus is giving us here. But let me tell you something else. Let's also pray expecting God to answer. Look at verses 6. Excuse me, verse 11 through 13. If a son shall ask bread to any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, um, he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I love this. Daddies, let me ask you something. Let's put what Jesus says to the test. If your babies come and ask you, for a loaf of bread or a piece of bread or you're going to pull a rock out of the cabinet and say here son take this or, here baby girl take this you ain't going to do that are you or if he asks for a fish sandwich are you going to say here baby here's your snake we wouldn't do that would we or if he asks for an egg are you going to fry him up a scorpion instead of a scrambled egg 
Of course we won't. Why wouldn't we do that? Because we love our kids. Because they're our babies. We love them more than anything else. We want to meet their needs. We want to do what's best for them. A snake ain't best for them. Right? Scorpion ain't best for them. A rock ain't best for them. They need all that other stuff. That's what they need. They need some bread. They need some eggs. They need some fish. They need something that's going to be good for them. So I'm going to give what's good for them as much as I can because I love them. And Jesus said, if ye then being evil, ye then being sinful, if you know how to do good things for your children, if you're willing to do good things for your children, how much more is the holy God of heaven who loves perfectly, is he going to be willing to give you good things if you'll just ask him? I like how he puts this. He says in that last verse, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Well, that's the best gift that could ever be given, amen? Filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, He's ready to give you good things. You've got to be willing to ask. You've got to know what to pray and how to pray and if we figure that out as a people of God, we can have a powerful prayer life that makes a difference for us and everybody else around us. So let's be people of prayer. Can you say amen? I'm going to pray for you tonight before I close. Anybody got any special needs, special prayer requests this evening?